eyebrows never looked better. And That's you know how true. Hard I've worked. You know how hard I've worked. And your hair looks good too. I like that shortcut. Thank you. You do not want to see it without a hat on. I've seen it. I've seen it. I like it. Okay. okay. Ah, yeah. I'm doing. I am. Well, I didn't even ask. I'm doing good. Thank you. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even fucking ask. Yeah. Well, if the question was bounced back in my direction, I guess what I would say is I'm fine. Um. Yeah, I don't have a lot of banter up top today. Uh, no, I didn't either. Yeah. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, what is something that we can banter about? But I literally can't think of anything. So, what's, what's like, what's in the news? We can, we can kind of like, quote unquote, uh, organically yes. bring it up. Yeah, lots of fun stuff in the news. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Good. What a dumb fucking idea, Gina. <laughs> Stupid you know, ass. I wonder what was happening in the news when this aired. On December second, two thousand one. Yeah, I'll Google it really quick. December. Off the top of my big ass head. Yeah. What was like the? Oh, what was the number one on Billboard? I bet it was like Britney Spears. Ooh, good question. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this was the top song in December two thousand and one for three weeks before being unseated by Nickelback's How You Remind Me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts like this. All the girls stepping up public Oh, that's for, th- oh, she got, Miss Simpson got three weeks, huh? <laughs> Good for her. Good for, Good her. for her. Three weeks. Oh, I haven't gotten three weeks. I haven't gotten three weeks. Oh, wait. No, I lied. Oh, God. I lied. It's not public affair. It's family affair. The Mary J. Blige song. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, how did you, oh, no. I read the wrong like date. They were like next to each other. <laughs> I that's why I was so shocked. I was like three weeks. You were like Damn. three weeks, Miss Simpson. Okay, okay, we are blown right past this. Should we should we get into the episode before my computer dies? <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's get into the app. Go Mary, go Mary, go Mary. You can't see it, but I'm trying my best. Ow. Okay. <laughs> All righty. So this episode is called "Time Will Tell." Um, so. Dixon and Sydney are in Oxford um, at their engineering department because it has the best analysis in the world. Um, Dixon tells Sydney uh, that she has to make sure she's two feet away from the person that she's trying to scan the ID card of. So basically, don't mess this up because it has to be precise. Um, and there's this cute little moment where Sydney's like, How do I look? And Dixon was like, For the record, you never have to ask me that. And it's like, Aw. Look, so It was cute, right? It was very cute. I agree and then she fucking steps out of the well no she stands up in the van and she has this like strawberry blonde shiv roy fantasy going yeah. on in that van is shiv i think this is a record for like the first the earliest in an episode we have a wig of the week yes are introducing our first segment wig of the week I truly was like starting off strong in this like very strawberry blonde fantasy. I love the cut. I think Shiv is good. Uh, I think that's definitely her name. Also just like the whole outfit plus wig. There was like an asymmetrical one shoulder thing happening, which was very Shiv. Yeah. I know that 
for Garner predates Shiv, but in the context of our timeline, she does not. <laughs> I guess maybe we should, for context, also tell the listeners that we are talking about Shiv Roy from the HBO show Succession, you're right, you're um, right. who absolutely has this hair, has this hair on TV current day. I wonder if Michael Reitz does her hair too, patron saint of the pod, Michael Reitz. I really got to Google him. I have so many questions. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so inside the estate or was it an estate or like a college building? I don't remember. I thought it was like an like an academic building. Okay. So in the academic building, they're having like this, you know, gathering. Um, and Anna is already like kissing up to a scientist, lying about being a journalist. She's trying to get information. Um, and Gina Torres. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Gina Torres. In that dress, bitch. I'd love to see your lab. Okay, all right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I loved that. See my lab anytime. Doesn't need a key card. Come on in, bitch. Doors are open. <laughs> yeah, the lab. I like that. A little <laughs> entange. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. I love it. <laughs> I have like this stuff on my back that's burning me. No, like um, icy hot. No, it's a thermocare, so I smell even older. <laughs> well, icy hot makes you smell sixty-eight, but thermocare makes you smell ninety-four. Oh, um, that's canon. <laughs> I would love to take this time to shout out our sponsors, Thermocare. <laughs> thermocare, smell like you're ninety even when you're sixty-four. Listen, manifest it, baby. <laughs> Imagine if Thermacare just like sent you huge like swag boxes to your house, but with like no product, just like a tote bag and like a t-shirt, but like no free stuff. <laughs> I'd wear the fuck out of that hat. Yeah, you would. And you'd look good in it. I don't Thank even know what it looks like, but I know you'd look good in it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so um, Sydney looks beautiful, like we said. Um, so she ends up finding the key, key card. Um, there's this like toothy professor doctor that she's talking up. Um, and Dixon is like, I need 30 seconds. So you need to talk to him for 30 seconds so I can scan and copy the card. <laughs> and Sydney in this really bad British is like, hello, I'm Molly whatever from the Marisa Foundation. <laughs> Very interested in your current study. I knew you were going to bring up the Marisa Foundation. I wrote it in my notes because I was like, Gina's definitely going to say Marisa Foundation. <laughs> Foundation. I can't even do it, but it was just like the cuckoo, cuckoo accent. Um, so the key card is duplicated at the same time that Sydney sees Anna. So Dixon heads in undercover as a server and gives Sydney the key card, uh, whispering it to tell security that someone is breaking into the engineering department. Obviously, Anna. Um and then we see that Anna has knocked out the professor that she walked off with, having stolen his key card. Um, but security find her and she tries to distract them and they fight. And then inevitably she ends up in a headlock um, just as like Sydney saunters by like all smug and shit. And she's like, got you sweaty. And she just kind of like walks off. Yeah, like the looks that those two were exchanging were nothing short of electric. Like, can you? Imagine being like the toothy fucking guy that Sydney was talking to and not being like, I'm sorry, do you guys, do you know each other? Should I, do you want me to get out of the way or? Dude, like I, I want to manifest something here right now that one day we will get to talk to Jennifer Garner on this podcast. And I get to say, do you think if Alias were in 2028 20, or whenever the fuck we talked to her, do you think Anna and Sydney would have been written as past lovers? Cause like, 
they could, I mean, hopefully in 2028, we've got some bisexual representation for you, Maureen. Yeah, he's crossed, but probably not. <laughs> Honestly, bisexuals are represented everywhere. We are insufferable across industries. There's no shortage of us. <laughs> so Sydney enters the lab, locking the door behind her, and she leaves a kiss for Anna on the glass just as Anna runs up to get Sydney. Which I think you're completely back. right. If the show was written today, they would have been lovers. Yeah, call back because we want it to be true. Yeah, like I said, uh, we are canon, <laughs> and what we say is fact. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, so she leaves a kiss on the door. <laughs> in my notes, like I said, I said to Maureen off pod that I did not reread my notes, and I usually do. And in my notes after the kiss thing, it just says "thank you, God," etc. <laughs> We also, before you move on too far from this moment, I love when Gina Torres, um, right before she gets caught, is like walking and security is like, ma'am, stop security. And she goes, oh, thank God, something happened to Professor whatever the fuck. Just like, so. <laughs> it was really bad. As if that giant, incredible, beautiful woman couldn't defend herself. Oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no, I'm so tall and strong. <laughs> oh, she's so cool, man. She really is. Anyway, so, um, so Sydney gets the old ass clock, which is what I'm going to be calling it. Um, just as like Anna is trying to shoot her way into the lab. Anna gets in, but Sydney has already escaped through the window because she's a badass. Yeah, she just jumped off, jumped out that window. Climbed right out. Um, back at SC6, um, Jack visits Sloane's office. Um, they talk about Eloise Kurtz. Jack tells Sloane uh, that he tasked Eloise to make Will drop the story. And Sloane's like, well, you fucked up. And Jack was like, don't worry about it. Like, I had a plan B. I have plans, whatever. Um, Sloane isn't too impressed and asks Jack, like, how the fuck did Will even know who Kate Jones was in the first place? Like, how, how, was, how did he even find that out? And Jack has no idea, but like tells him, like, we'll figure it out. And then Sloan's basically like, I will kill him if I have to. And yeah. Jack is like, no, you can't kill another one of Sydney's friends. Yeah, he's like, hey, <laughs> he's people very, that Sydney loves. Yeah, he very gently is like, I feel this is maybe a bad thing to do to Sydney. Yeah. And if it comes down to it, I'll kill him myself. I was like, okay. And Jack, like, assures Sloan, like, that he will make sure that, like, Will gets off the story. And then Jack, like, very not convincingly was like, I'll kill him myself. And then you can, like, really see on his face that he's like, fuck, I don't want to kill this kid at all. No, because he uh, is becoming human slowly. Yeah, something like that, right? It's, it's like the ice is coming off his little heart-ish. Speaking of ice, I just wanted to point out the phrase that Jack used when he was talking about... Um, what's her fucking name? Eloise Kurtz, who was m- murdered. He said that uh, Sloan retired her. Yeah, so weird, right? Like, retired. It's like, spooky <laughs> sad. It was this episode that I learned Will's last name. Tippin. Tippin. Wrote it down, wrote it in my notes. What a stupid fucking name. What a dumb fucking name. <laughs> I was waiting for pure, unadulterated rage. <laughs> yeah, I was like, kind of upset that Jack um, isn't going to kill Will Tippin just for my own sake, to be honest. 
You're going to just call him by his full name for the whole episode. Will Tippin is his name and his name, which I have known this whole time in every episode that you have listened to of this podcast. I knew it was Will Tippin. <laughs> so Sydney's advisor is like, Sydney, you're a very bad student. <laughs> so you either need to quit the bank or fucking uh, quit school. Um, so then Sydney heads to the parking garage. She's all like bummed out to go home. And she's immediately like, who is this random guy having very bad fake conversations on the phone? Who is following me? Why is this guy following me? So she like lures him into a trap basically. And we get one of my favorite things. And I think yours, like I mentioned a Sydney kick, we get a Sydney kick and she jumps off of a pipe and spins and kicks that guy. And she's like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Like, he reminded me, that guy reminded me of when my sister used to come visit me at my old job and would like sit at an empty desk and pretend to do business. Mm-hmm. He's just like on the phone, like, mm, yes, business, business. Yes. Mm, yes. Business. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm, the meeting, mm-hmm, the meeting. It's like nobody, obviously she knows that you're fucking following her. Nobody talks like this on the phone. It was so, it was like so bad. Like he did such a bad job. She laid him the fuck out. And then Sloan is like, heard you kicked some guy's ass. And Sydney's like, yeah, why the fuck am I being followed by security section? And like, why is my truck bugged? Mm-hmm. And then Sloan delivers one of his uh, infamous lines that always is in the, the pre thing at the beginning of the episode, which is the sanctity of this organization requires the sacrifices and personal freedoms. Dot, dot, dot. Which is basically Sloan's like, Shut the fuck up. And then uh, Sloan kind of covers that for like SC6 is ramping up security and you can talk to McCullough. It's not my problem. And Sydney truly, truly looks possessed. Yeah, because he goes, <laughs> now we have a briefing. You think you could focus? Like, bitch, damn. I just yeah, told you that I found out that you're thing. having me followed. Like, mm-hmm. you And know, the idea that she's the only one getting followed is clearly bullshit. I have something controversial to say. And... I don't know if this is kind of fucked up, but I don't think Sloan is that good of a boss. I'll say it. I think he's not a good manager. He's not (laughs) managing people. I'm not afraid to say that. I know it's controversial, but I'm not afraid to say it. I think we just lost some listeners. Oh, there they go. (laughs) (laughs) Scampering away. Um, Anyway, so... Then we go right into the meeting, like Sloan just said, um, and they're talking about this guy named uh, Donato, who's an ancient clockmaker, who was the only person that like Rambaldi ever collaborated with on one of his like Cuckoo Nostradamus things. Sloan thinks it's more than just a clock, clearly, because like it seems very, very important. So Marshall then goes on a rant about like how old and how weird it is. Um, and then they make note of this date on the bottom, which Sydney points out, and they did research and it's the only day in history that nothing happened. Um, so Sydney now has to go to Positano, Italy, which fun fact is our friend Vin's grandma's favorite restaurant in Philly, AKA the only restaurant in Philly that she knows. Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't say the word Positano without saying that. Um, then Sydney pulls Jack aside at work. And again, I love this seat because they have this like really close conversation and Jack's like weirdly, chipper and he's like oh yeah like how can I help you and Sydney's like somewhere quiet somewhere else <laughs> it's like, away. 
Yeah, and they just kind of walk away. So Jack pulls out open this pen when they get into the office room, and he has this um, signal jammer that so they only have sixty seconds to talk freely. So Sydney tells Jack how she's being followed, and Jack admits that there's information that for the first time is being withheld from him. So they both sense and confirm in each other that something is up. Um, Jack tells Sydney about Marshall and how he maybe noticed a bug on SD6's system, which is the first worry. <laughs> Secondly, there's another worry because someone named Carl Dreyer is coming to update the biometric scanners. And ladies, ladies, don't you hate when they're like, <laughs> we'll be at your house sometime tomorrow between nine and three for the biometric scanner repair. And they come tomorrow instead. What? Girls. What? <laughs> Am I right, girls? It's the lesbian Def Jam comic and she's back and better than ever. Yeah, Sydney, Sydney is uh, basically told that Vaughn has to teach her how to pass a brain test where they're going to scan her brain to see she's lying. It's crazy. So it's a function imaging test, a.k.a. super fancy lie detector that measures the blood flow inside the brain. So it's basically impossible to cheat. So it's like the emotional blood center of your brain or whatever. Um, and Jack is like, tell Vaughn he has to prepare you for this. And like Jack is like visibly spooked. And Sydney goes... Uh, right before the minute is up, dad, you seem nervous. And that's, and then he's like, okay, yeah, anyway, business, business. So I'm glad you came to me. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> wild, wild scene. Um, and then we uh, got to go right back to Maureen's favorite person, who is Will. So what, who's next? Guess what? Who's next? Will's boss. And she gives him shit. <laughs> <laughs> Will's boss gives him shit about pulling out of the article, basically. So she's like, get a quote from Sydney or else. Uh, I've been calling her Elaine. So her name is June. Okay. Which so, I just discovered as well. Are we, so we're definitely going to stick with June or, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I might still call her Elaine, but I'm you know. Calling her Will's boss. Okay. Will's that, boss, Elaine. Anyway. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Anyway. Okay. So Will's boss gives him shit about pulling out of the article and she's like, get a quote from Sydney or else. And either way, like this is going to print. So Will heads over to Sydney and sort of like with the intention of, I guess, telling her. And oh man, this is when we get gay. She is in an adorable sweater. And I truly, truly would love nothing more than to like make her dinner and fall asleep in her arms. <laughs> That's the first thought I had when I saw her typing on her laptop. It's like, oh God, you're so Listeners cozy. who don't get the sincere privilege of looking at Gina's face while she says this, she looks physically pained <laughs> by how cute Jennifer Gardner looks in this scene. Also, the, the music under this scene is just a little bit too much in the way that I love. What was it? I have no idea. It was some early aughts shit. You know, I almost looked it up. But it's very like na 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 na. It's like very Gilmore Girls. It does. It sounds yeah. kind of like Tegan and Sarah on Gilmore Girls. That's what oh, it's like. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I weirdly get that iconic sound. Yeah. <laughs> so she she says like Will asked her what she's doing. She's writing a paper, and she's like, the, "My professor said it has no soul." I'm writing a paper with soul. It's got lots of soul. <laughs> She says it. This, this comedy drops. Um, then Will picks up these books that that Jack has bought Laura over the years that like Sydney has been rereading. Um, and they're sitting next to Sydney's computer. Uh, there are these first edition novels that like Jack would always buy Laura went from Prague or something like that. Um, 
So they're making small talk and all that kind of stuff. And like Sydney sort of takes this time to be vulnerable, if you can believe it. And she makes up a fake story about like petty cash being stolen from the bank, aka like her stress over being found out as the mole, um, which is kind of sad because it's like she wants to talk to her friends and get real advice, but she can't because they'll die. <laughs> you know, kind of sad. You know, <laughs> yeah, kind of sad, right? <laughs> Very sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad that Sydney can't confide in anyone she loves about her job because then they'll get murdered. Yeah, you're right. I don't feel sorry for her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's basically it's another scene in the episode where it's like quit your fucking job. So she's probably tired of hearing that. Um, I wrote Sydney is finally realizing that women simply cannot have it all. Wow, you're right. You could be a double agent and a graduate student and a best friend and a daughter. All mm. to one. You have to pick one. That's yeah. it. But then Joey Joey's Pizza calls, and we're we're on to the next one. I love when Joey's Pizza calls because it means I get to see Vaughn. Uh, I love Vaughn. I would love to go to a pizza parlor with Vaughn. Aw, why pizza? Oh, you're right, Joey's Pizza. Because <laughs> I love pizza. <laughs> I love pizza too. Pizza for life. Yeah. Um, Vaughn and Sydney are working in their sex bullpen again. Um, <laughs> He's testing her on this. I'm, I'm, we're blowing past it. He's testing her on this crazy brain blood lie detector machine. Yeah, um, I love Alias. <laughs> alias really is the best. She keeps flopping. Sorry to say. Okay. Sorry, but she is. She's just too honest. Uh. And he's like, stay under th- 30. And Vaughn is like, girl, you have to get control of your emotions and you have to shift to your reasoning center of your brain. Hello. And Sydney is like, don't talk to me. Like anyone can just do that. Yeah. And Vaughn like, oh, Sydney. <laughs> and then Sydney is like, Vaughn. my focus. Go ahead. No, what is he like? <laughs> Sydney. Oh, Sydney. <laughs> Is like my focus is like beyond split and like Vaughn has to calm her down. And again, he's being like very cute and reassuring that she's like the baddest bitch of them all. Yeah. Um, yeah, women can't have it all. And women can't have it all. I'm sorry, but we've proved tonight that women cannot have it all. Huh. I'm sorry to say it. Um, <laughs> get to the meat. You know, I want you to get to it. Get to no, it. No, it's so I love this. Okay. So then Vaughn asks the next question and he goes, are you, he says something like, are you romantically interested in anyone or involved or whatever? And Sydney is very like reluctant, like, excuse me, why the fuck did you ask me that question? And she's like, no, I'm not. And the machine goes absolutely off. Like Vaughn is so proud of himself and he's loving it. And like Sydney's kind of squirming. Oh, I love it. It's so so cute. cute. She gets really serious though. Like I thought it was really interesting because like, it's her possibly untapped feelings for Vaughn that sets off like her realization of like how scared she is. Like, it's not so much like she's just frustrated. She's like absolutely fucking terrified that she yeah, could die. She could be. Yeah, totally. And then she says something. I loved this line too. And I like this scene because she, and she says something like, if this were real, I'd be dead by now. Wouldn't I? Dude, this episode is nonstop movement. I know. It's crazy. So and that's why I'm talking so fast because it happened so fast. I know. Really? And like, really, so much stuff happens in this episode. Yeah, because then commercial break and then it's Chabela, mi amici siamo appositano. <laughs> I literally have Jennifer Gardner speaking Italian is Gina's new her slash Tinder bio. 
It's so true. I was going to act out this whole scene in full Italian and then I just gave up. But anyway, so Sydney, I think Sydney jumps into Italy. Am I wrong in saying that? Or do we get the illusion that she like parachuted in or something like that? Because she's got like a parachute on. I have that visual as well. Okay, cool. So So either way, um, no one tell us if we're wrong because now that's canon. Yeah, please do not fact check us. We do the fact checking. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So she like jumps into Italy. She's got the clock and she's going to go see Donato. And she's wearing a choker. And we always, always love a choker in this house. Always. And you know what else? Decade. She's doing this. <gasps> yes. The like fourth grade thing that we talked about. She is again. She's doing it again. Very early aughts. We love. We love to see it. <laughs> the hair is out of bounds. I love it. Um, so she heads up to Donato's apartment and is like, Signor Donato, mi chiamo Cristina Arieli. Sono tiki taka clocka. And she's basically like trying to say whatever she can. So he lets her in. <laughs> what? That was so good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Signora. <laughs> so she's, like I said, she's basically like doing anything. And then he like opens the little people and he's like, eh, no, no, mi dispiace. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> no, no, no. Aspetta, mi dispiace. Yeah, and Sydney like finally has to bring out the big guns and like name drops Rambaldi as you do, mm-hmm. and then my papa non finally opens the door and lets her in. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> and there he goes. That means that's slang for great grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so then back at SD six, Jack asks an analyst to run this backtrace on an air passenger log. Can I be very honest with you about something? Sure. Now, every time that you say SD6, all I want is for you to say it in that weird last week Georgian accent that you did at the beginning. D6. I'll say it like that all the time. Okay, great. It is D6. It is going to be a winner every time for me. I absolutely love it. Pepper it in. Pepper it in. Um, so Jack asks the analyst to run a backtrace on an airplane passenger log, which we then find out for the next scene is, so Will is at work and his boss tells him about the passenger list for the flight that Danny was on. Um, and Jack clearly used his connections or did it himself and changed the name from Kate Jones to Zach Cohen, which invalidates all of Will's article because if Kate Jones didn't exist, his theory doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It looks like he lied. I think Will's editor hates him more than I do. And for that, we simply must stand editor Elaine. And then, yeah, that's a stand of the way. <laughs> and in the next scene, Sydney is back with Geppetto and he's telling her all about the magical clock. I love alias. <laughs> that's exactly it's it's like a Disney movie. I literally Google imaged Geppetto because I was going to make it my Zoom profile image for you today. And then I was like, I don't know that she'll super get it right away. I will for next week. Okay, great. Okay, so old man Giovanni tells Sydney all about Donato's clocks and Rimbaldi. Um, he promised him that he would live a long life, even with healing, when he would die. And that he was right. <laughs> <laughs> I love the silent, silent laughing over Zoom. Because I can't, I don't want to laugh out loud because I don't want it to 
cut off your horrid, horrid <laughs> alien mouse person. <laughs> oh my God, it is a mouse. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's a buka. A buka de beto. The thermic care is burning my skin. <laughs> Wait, actually, I'd love to use I'd love to use this I'd love to use this moment of the pod to let our listeners know about a really exciting opportunity um, to get involved with the Room 47 family. Believe it or not. Buga de Beppo has decided to come on board as a podcast sponsor and they are raffling off a free dinner date with Gina where she'll (laughs) explain to you all of the stuff that you're eating at Buga de Beppo and where it comes from for the low, low price of $100 a ticket. Benefits go to Maureen and Gina at room47.com. Thank you. The audacity that you think I would take someone out for an Italian-American dinner. Are you out of your goddamn mind and make it myself? And then, no. And the fact that you don't even know me well enough. No. no. <laughs> I gotta go. I know you so well that I know that if Gina has, let's say, $30 to her name for a week and she can splurge on anything, it's going to be Parmesan. Hey, and the fact that I haven't been able to get imported Italian Parmesan is, this is the only, I'm telling you, I am the cheapest person is the only thing I spend money on. Yeah, on Parmigiano. And since the, and since Quar, not a lot of shit coming into the country. Yeah. Anyway, so, (laughs) Giovanni then tells Sydney about what the Rambaldi symbol is, because like we always see it. Basically, he explains that like Rambaldi has these followers, these safeguarders of his shit that like really do honor his history. So they have this symbol tattooed. But like criminals and terrorists have figured out how loyal these people are and they've infiltrated the loyal sectors of Rambaldi in order to commit crimes. So just as we're hearing this story, Anna shows up with two goons and she's got a rooftop sniper at a building across the way. Um, And then Giovanni is explaining the clock a little bit more. And then he says something like, He's explaining how the clock works and he says, Oh, you know, he never did tell me. And Sydney is like, Excuse me, like, does this fucking guy think he's the real Donato? And he's like, Oh, no, no, I, I meant uh, my mama. <laughs> oh, actually, Gina, believe it or not, <laughs> you're gonna, oh, you are gonna fucking hate this. But that brings us to our second segment, line of the week, one line from Alias. And now, one line from Alias. Oh, my mother told me. I don't think she knew. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh, thank you for pulling that line. I uh, can't believe that I, I continued to call this man that. Geppetto in my notes over and over and over again. Um, and disrespect <laughs> him that way. But I wanted to honor him with this one really horrible line reading. I thought that was really good. Thank and you. then after that he's like the clock is fixed now it's over <laughs> and then he just gets shot in the back of the head <laughs> i i fucking believe it and then the sniper gets him and then just starts sniping up the place and then here we fucking go again it's game on yeah because this episode is non-stop movement it is so she runs out with the clock and anna is there to greet her behind an elevator shaft so 
she's coming up at the same time as Sydney. So it's basically a race between Sydney running up the stairs, being followed by two goons eventually, and then Anna going faster and faster up, just sort of stalking her up <laughs> the elevator, waiting to meet her so she can kill her, basically. Like, can we talk about that scene? Like, Gina really explained it absolutely perfectly, but I know that we have some people who listen to the podcast who don't watch the show, which, by the way, is absolutely crazy, but... I love you either way. Um, the shot, like the way that that scene is shot from the perspective of Anna in the elevator going up and then coming back down and then like getting the like eagle eye on her. I was like, damn, this show is so good. It looked like, like a 60s movie. Yeah, it was it. I loved that sequence. It was so good. It was very like Italian film in the 60s. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's a really cool observation. It really was such a cool scene. Yeah. And so then you jump yeah. out of the building like the tiny little psycho that she is. Fucking hustles to the roof, avoids being shot, obviously, and then she like Batman lunges off a bell tower and escapes. Right? Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So um back in LA, Sydney arrives home uh to Francie and they caught have like a little limp cuddle talk on the couch. It was really sweet. It made me miss my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I really miss my friends yeah uh, alone um so francie is obviously a very good friend and like brought sydney the paper to her professor but she feels bad because she ended up spilling lemonade accidentally on one of those books from earlier but sydney is obviously like totally fucking cool with it um and again i have to say sleepy and or cozy sydney on the couch oh my god also like sydney reading in bed with a giant glass of red wine just like luxury, it's glamour, it's effervescent. Just like oh, I read that. Can't, right? gorgeous. Got like the glass of wine and like by lamplight, all of a sudden she picks up on something on the pages because they got wet, but then they dried. And she notices that there are these fucking Cyrillic codes, she thinks, that are embedded in the paper. So she takes a bedside candle and she burns the paper slightly and then it slowly reveals like, darker images of the Cyrillic codes. So then immediately like Vaughn and Sydney are back to practicing for the lie detector test. And she's like really fucking off her game even from before. And Sydney is like, Vaughn, I found these, found these KGB codes in my book. Like it has to be my dad. He has to have been, you know, trading secrets via these books that he would always get for her mom in Prague. Like I said earlier and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What'd you think about that Maureen? Like, so here goes Sydney spiraling about her dad again. So, you know, she could be onto something um, or she could be completely fucking wrong. Like she has been in the past, but they don't close this loop. They don't close the loop on this in this episode, which I noticed from like a storytelling perspective, they usually do if she's wrong about him. So, Mm -hmm. and here's the other thing. And this, even though I was like fucking around before, this might actually be an unpopular opinion, but if Jack actually did work for the KGB, I kind of like him more. Is that fucked up? I can neither confirm nor deny. Because maybe it's me just like um, absolutely, because Gina, so in in addition to introducing me to Alias, Gina also introduced me to The Americans, which is the show that we recommended, I think the first week of this pod, because it's, it's like the best spy show, but their KGB and that was sort of like my intro into this world so I feel like if Jack is KGB I'm just gonna like him more yeah it's definitely like 
they definitely really lean in on like the KGB being like the ultimate evil. But as you do in like, we got a show about terrorists in the early 2000s. Like, I'm not surprised. Um, anyway, so Will gets a call that Eloise Kurtz's car was left, which he has an impound guy. I was very confused as to how he got this phone call. <laughs> like he had a guy at the impound and the impound that he like, was just like car. Just come, just come take this random person's car. You know where we are. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> so weird. So he goes down and he checks the car out. And then in the car, he finds this like brooch thing. Pin is the brooch of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, you brooch in your car. <laughs> Sorry. It's actually a bug. It's a rush of the week. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. All the listeners so are back from earlier. <laughs> eight of them. Anyway. All eight of them. So his boss calls at the same time that he's um, investigating this brooch, and he notices that there's this weird feedback that he hears when the phone touches the brooch or being near the brooch. So obviously this piques his interest and he's super sus. So then back at SD6, Marshall has placed the golden sun that Sydney picked out of that like uh, glass thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they find, they realize that you can put the golden sun into the clock. So Marshall takes the polymer and he places it in the clock and he sets it to the specific time and it spins slowly, but consistently. So with like a candle lit behind it and a magnifying glass, we, they see that there's a fucking star chart inside the golden sun. And what the star chart is, the snapshot of a sky in one specific place at one specific time, which is the southern slope of Mount, and I'm going to pronounce it just like Sloan pronounced it, Akinkagua. <laughs> <laughs> On the Chile-Argentina border. That is exactly how he pronounced it. <laughs> he like he unhinged his jaw because he thought he was pronouncing it like authentically, but it just looked like exactly what it looked like, like a white dude trying to try. So before they head off, the inevitable is about to happen. And Sydney has to pay a visit to Carl Dreyer, who is the fucking guy from Saw. Wait. Yes, it's the it's the it is Saw, the guy from Saw. It's like the puzzle yeah. dude. What the yeah. fuck is his name in that? Play game. Yeah, what is his yeah. name? He's I don't remember, but it's him with like Jigsaw, a Jigsaw, a goatee. Jigsaw. Wow, I had no <laughs> fucking idea. There was like a genuine pause because you really didn't know. But yeah, as soon as I I knew that, but I was reminded of it. Wow, dang, Jigsaw coming in. Good. Yeah, Jigsaw his name jigsaw yeah i said it like eight times but you were laughing around no it's okay i I, I was just letting you know (laughs) okay (laughs) okay so jigsaw pretty much asks all the same questions that sydney had prepared for so sydney's in this like non-emotional trance seemingly like albeit like a little bit spooked kind of because there's a slight pause when asked the question are you a double agent and sydney's like no. <laughs> okay, so Sydney and Vaughn talk in the blood van. <laughs> so Sydney and Vaughn, they talk in the blood van, and he gives her this camera thing that she has to take pictures of whatever they find in Argentina on. Um, and she, he like sits next to her, kind of realizing that she's like not in the right headspace. Um, and she's really nervous. She thinks she didn't pass the test, and like 
he, you know, gives him his classic Bond pep talk and he's like, your life is more important. Like if you really, really think that you failed the test, we can keep you safe. And she's like, fuck that guy. Yeah, he's like, we'll pull you out. We'll take you out right now. And yeah. I like that Vaughn. Once an episode, he's like, Sydney, will you just pull you out? We'll just put you in yeah. the protection program. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. I'm all right. No, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Thanks for asking, but I'm not going to go fight Anna on a ladder in a fucking tomb. So I don't really have time. <laughs> so Sydney and Dixon are in Argentina. And Sydney has a bandana around her neck and she's giving us all this fishtail braid. She looks amazing. And Dixon is fucking dressed like someone who I assume goes to Lollapalooza. Oh my God. I think I think that it's so cute that Sydney and Dixon decide to go on this gorgeous bonding hike um, with no ulterior motives. No, but I did really like when Dixon was like, Sydney, I just want to let you know, I'm proud of you. But yeah. a little part of my brain was like, what does that mean? What's going to happen? I know, I know. I don't know. Anytime you give a speech, something bad's going to happen. Yeah, and like you said, like, I'm proud of you. You have so much courage. Like, she's clearly, like, feeling a mixture of pride, but, like, total fucking guilt over it, I think. Um, And then back in L.A., Will and someone from work are talking about the brooch, a.k.a. the very obvious bug that was in Eloise's car. A.k.a. the brooch of the wake. And the brooch of the (laughs) wake. So he's like, it's government issue. It's definitely intelligence. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what was he like? <laughs> it's government issue. It's definitely intelligence. I've been sort of looking and waiting for you to do something so funny with your face that we have to put it on our Instagram and now I found that thing only only if I can confirm okay perfect um because that the wow the face in that performance really does make it (laughs) that sounds about right so um back in Argentina um Dixon is sitting here hiking to the coordinates. So Sydney's fucking arms are just, they look so good. Her arms look so good as they're walking. I'm jealous and horny. I think like what we should do is set up a Patreon where Gina reviews the DVD commentary of Alias. Like we'll have to buy you all of the DVDs so that you can go through her arm workouts again. I have, what do you mean buy me all the, I have every box set. You have every box set still? I'm not fake ass stan <laughs> they're in my basement in a box i have all five all five seasons that's dedication i bought season five reluctantly because i was like well I, ha- I have to have the whole set yeah oh that's maybe a spoily hmm could be that gina doesn't love season five. Oh yeah well that's it, it's the end of the last season it's like mm. you know what are you gonna do anyway what you- um so anyway, they finally find some something underground. They start digging. So there's this Rambaldi symbol on a hatch and there's this like old ass loud ladder that goes like really far down. And Sydney's like, I'm going in. Yeah. And Dixon is like, Sydney, be careful. All these men always telling Sydney to be careful. Like she's not keenly aware of what the fuck is going on at all times. Do you get do you get energy from Sydney that she pegs? That's a really good question. I actually weirdly don't. Um, and I'll tell you why. 
because she's like always in control in real life. Exactly, Gina. And I'm glad that you got to the thesis of it because I had a 46 slide PowerPoint ready for you. So Sydney's a power bottom like me. I think Sydney is a power bottom. I definitely, there's no top energy from this broad. (laughs) (laughs) She's a good East Coast broad and she's got bottom only energy. I'll kick ass inside and out of the bedroom. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Okay. So um, Dixon stands guard as as Sydney traverses this like dark old ass hole that hasn't been opened in like hundreds and hundreds of years. Let's talk about alias and not your vagina. (laughs) No, no. I love jokes. We love laughing at jokes. when they are about me. So she's very slowly going down the ladder, farther and farther. It's getting damper and damper. Shut up. Finally, she reaches the bottom of the hatch. Be quiet. Shining her flashlight, she reveals a cave-like structure, and finally there's this Rambaldi symbol. And she rips open this box, stop, over whatever that sits inside the rock, structure, whatever. And inside is this leather-bound book, which is like pages and pages of like dusty IKEA instructions, aka Rambaldi's journal. <laughs> Imagine she's just like <laughs> Okay, so she gets back to Marshall and she's like, Marshall, according to Rambaldi's journal, we have to put the flurgan into the hookendern. <laughs> Low hanging fruit, but it's so funny. <laughs> it really is. Also, shout out to our listeners in Sweden. Hello. Thank you for listening. <laughs> okay. Actually, the Swedish center back for my soccer team that I support saved an old lady from getting robbed today. So shout out Sweden. Oh, wow. Shout out Sweden in general. I was being honest. Shout out Sweden. (laughs) Yeah. The fuck we have. Yeah. All right. So, um, so she's taking pictures of the, of the journal uh, and as she's telling Dixon that she's found it. And as she takes pictures with the camera that Font gave her, Dixon comes in and he's like whispering over the walkie that K director had found them. Then went with Dixon yelling for her to get out of there. Three shots go off over the walkie talkie. Which like personally, I, so I have not watched beyond this episode at the time of recording and I'm going to be so mad if Dixon is dead because I just got around to loving him. Um, As Sidney Croft Tomb Raider over here is like, uh, trying to get out with Rimbaldi's journal, we go back to SD6 headquarters where um, Jigsaw is explaining the results to Sloan. And so Jigsaw is like, well, Sloan is like, how did the test go? And Jigsaw is like, I think we found our mole. Oh my God. <laughs> did he say it like that? I think we found our mole. <laughs> he said, wait, I, I was going to try to do a Jigsaw impression, which I, Absolutely do not have. To say that again, sorry, I think I talked over you. I think we have our mole. That was pretty good. Thank you. This is um, my impression of it. Okay. I think we found our mole. (laughs) (laughs) So dumb. (laughs) I love it. 
I think we found somebody touching my spaghetti. <laughs> anyway, nonstop action, babe. So Anna and Sydney start fighting, and Anna fucks Sydney up and shoots her. And Sydney like gets up from the ground, and they literally fight on a ladder in a scene that is so intense. Mm-hmm. They're wrestling and like trying to get the journal and I was like this is very middle school aggression but then as they're fighting Anna pushes Sydney and Sydney when Sydney fell into that pit (laughs) one of my I almost was like Gina like it has to be the line of the week right is Sydney just And I laughed. I laughed. Okay. Sydney Craft Tomb Raider falling back into the hole. No! <laughs> she, she literally, no! It's great. It's so funny. So funny. And that's the end of the yep. Ugh. Oh my God. No! Welcome to Tina's fact checking and fun facts. Okay. My fun fact is actually very quick this week. So the book that Sydney was holding was the ambassadors. And that book was the basis for the talented Mr. Ripley written by Patricia Highsmith and then the movie. So that's a very easy, quick, digestible fun fact. That is an easy, quick, digestible fun fact. And (laughs) I love that fun fact. And honestly, I'm chewing on it right now. It's a great little snack. It's a great little nugget. Optimism Ripley is an incredibly good movie. I love that movie. I can't remember if I've ever seen it, and it feels like no. I recently rewatched it with Asad, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I like that fun fact. Uh, Gina, do you have any recommendations for this week? Oh, you know what? And this is not interesting. I'm rewatching New Girl because I wanted something that was like the most comforting. And it's still so funny every time I watch it. I'm, the episode I'm at, I'm at Tinfinity. I love Tinfinity. It's one of the best ones. When- Love the tag at the end of the episode when Nick is like, I know what women want sexually and I'm not afraid to give it to them. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. New Girl is great because it's like, it's so comfortingly dumb and saccharine. Yeah. Like if you're at that point of quarantine where you need that kind of like friendly, familiar comfort, it's doing it for me. Yeah. And Lamorne also just like. And Lamorne. Steals it. Steals the show. And it's so funny. I think season three, I've seen New Girl 900 times, just like everybody else. But I think season three is like, I think that's when Winston really shines. Like, I think that's when Lamorne really gets like. They, when they finally let Lamorne like be a goofy idiot, it's like the best character on that show. Yeah, because yeah. you don't realize it the first time you watch it. Um, but I'm also very partial to Schmidt because we have a lot in common. <laughs> Now that we're in this place, what I, okay, so I am a... Oh, please. Can we please do this? Yeah. Let's, okay, let me get my phone. Hold on one second. Let me explain this first because it's very easy. But a few years ago, um, before Gina got really into astrology, something that we would do in an effort to like... Absolutely drag me on pod. Yeah, um, absolutely dragging you on pod before Gina got really into astrology. <laughs> but... <laughs> This is a game that we play with our friends um, that is not really about astrology at all. It has 
almost nothing to do with astrology. So I just want that, that disclaimer up front. But this is a game that we play with all of the shows that we watch with our friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that I'm a Winston Sun, a CC Moon, and a Nick Rising. And why is that? Because I think at the core of it, well, let's see, I think I present myself more Nick-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and my moon is who I want to be, I believe. Is, uh, and CC has a, a, a confidence that is unmatched, I find sometimes. And then Winston Sun is like, just, I guess, who I am. And I feel like I'm definitely Winston, especially when he gets Ferguson. I was like, yeah, game over. Yeah. When he gets Ferguson and then he takes Ferguson on a play date with that other cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you, Maureen? Okay. So I might need you to do a little bit of light editing in case I fuck up what the um, things mean, but. Wrong anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is wrong. But I would say I am the person I am most like on New Girl is absolutely without question Schmidt. Yeah. Um to me. So I'm definitely a Schmidt rising. Um, which again, I I don't I don't know that that's right, the language, but that's the person I identify with the most. And then my sorry, go ahead. Is how you present yourself to the people outside of yourself. Okay. Yes. And my moon is how I feel about myself. Or it's like your ambitions and your core kind of thing. Okay. I don't know. We're, we'll, we'll come back to this next week too. <laughs> okay, well, um, yeah, because season four, we should play with Alias. I'm going to put Amy in my chart just to fuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say I'm a Schmidt rising. Uh, you are very, very externally confident. Yes. I think you are a CC. I think that means that you are a CC son. Okay. Because that's how you, you shine brightest or something like that. Yeah, that's how others perceive you and Moon is how, like, you perceive yourself. Maybe. God, people are screaming at us right now. Exactly. We're so wrong. But exactly. unfortunately, I, I, uh, I can't I Google it. Air. <laughs> <laughs> My chart is I'm a Schmidt rising with, like, a CC sun. Yeah. And maybe a Winston moon. If I'm yeah. Like, who? I think your moon is who you want to be in a very bad way of explaining it. Your ambitions, your goals, your dreams. Then my moon is Genslinger for sure. <laughs> okay. I think that's a really good place to end this. <laughs> um, thank you so much for a great episode this week, Warren. Uh, I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. I have to pee. Goodbye. Bye. Leaving meeting. Bye. is not endorsed by J.J. Abrams, the American Broadcasting Company, Walt Disney Company, Amazon, or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment purposes only. Alias and any clips, images, or names are registered trademarks and are copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Room 47 is an Alien Baby production. Crazy.